We must learn to see ourselves as laborers in his harvest every day, everywhere, all the time. We engage by sowing, watering or reaping. Reaping the harvest is a work of partnership. We all co-labor with each other. Most importantly, we are co-workers with God as laborers in his harvest. All right, why don't we stand up to our feet and make our declaration this morning. Just declare uh, what God has said about us uh, in his word. Uh, so if you have your Bible, would you like to hold it high up in the air and say this out loud, bold, and strong with me? This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him... I am in absolute surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This morning, I have a very short sermon. So you're going to get home early. Uh, Not going to be too long. I just want us to look at three passages of Scripture as we talk about being laborers in His harvest, in God's harvest. We're going to talk about that. And uh, the first passage of scripture that we want to look at is Matthew chapter 9. Uh, We will look at verses 35 to 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I just want to highlight a few thoughts here from this verse, this passage of Scripture, and then we will move to the next two passages of Scripture that we will consider this morning. We see Jesus going around. He's preaching the gospel. He is healing and delivering people. And then he sees great crowds coming to him. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. No purpose, no direction. They don't know where they're going. And his heart is moved with compassion for them. And then he makes this statement. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. So let's just break these things down. What is the harvest he's talking about? He's using the word harvest to refer to people. People who need 
to be ministered to with the gospel, ministered to with the power of God. So people, they are the harvest. They're waiting to be harvested. And he says, the harvest is plentiful. Meaning, look, there is an abundance of harvest, plenty of harvest, lots and lots of room to people, for people to work. And in fact, he says, but the laborers are few. So there is a need for more laborers. Now, funny how it is that even though there is a need for so many laborers, and even though there is such great harvest all around us, we kind of fight with each other over the harvest. Then we do that. At least pastors do. You know? But listen, the harvest is so big. It's huge. Think about our own city. 11 million people. And here we are fighting over barely a few hundred thousand people. The harvest is huge. It's great. All across our nation. And if you look ahead, what's, what's happening? You know, eventually our nation, and our nation is just going to reach a state where, uh, this is just a prediction from uh, economists last year's 2014, I think it was August 2014, economists um, just forecast that by 2050, about 60% of India's population will be living in cities. There will be, or there are more than 50 cities in our own nation with more than 1 million people. Plenty of room for everybody to go and work. Bangalore is the 18th largest city in the world with about 11 million and growing population. Huge harvest all around us. Plenty of room. 50% of India's population currently is under 26 years. So if there's, no, there's plenty of need for youth ministry. People reaching youth. Why? 50% of our nation population is under 26 more people, more labor is needed. Huge harvest. But there is a need for more laborers. And so Jesus says, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out more laborers. God, we need more. We need more people. We need more people in our cities. We need more people across our nation. We need more people all over villages, towns, cities. We just need more laborers. We need more. Pray. And then he says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And I want to hi highlight the word his. This is his harvest. Amen. It's God's harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. This morning, what I really want to impress on our hearts for all of us is to see ourselves as laborers in his harvest. You know, we see ourselves as lots of things. We see ourselves as doctors, as engineers, as business people, uh, whatever you're doing. We see ourselves as those things, housewives, uh, husbands, fathers, whatever. And that, you know, we kind of form some of our identity related to that. But this morning, I want to see all of us and I encourage all of us to have an image of ourselves as laborers in his all of us. So put your right hand up. I'm getting you to sign up whether you like it or not. Let's say this together. I'm a laborer 
in his harvest. One more time. I'm a laborer in his harvest. You're a laborer in the harvest fields of God. Everywhere, all the time, every day. You and I are laborers in his harvest. So when you are in your apartment complex, if you live somewhere there, in your community, in your school, in your college, when you go to the restaurant to eat, when you go to the shopping mall, you're busy looking at clothes, don't forget you're a laborer in his. While you're looking at clothes, remember there's a harvest right around you. Wherever you go, you might be sitting in a boardroom, having a business meeting. You might be traveling, you know, or by road or rail or air, whatever. The harvest is all around you. And you are a laborer in his harvest right there at that moment. Amen? So we need, as believers, to carry inside us this, this sense, this understanding, this identity that I am a laborer in God's harvest. Everywhere, all the time. I'm a laborer. And the harvest fields are all around me. People are all around me who need to be reached, who need to be harvested, so-called, into the kingdom of God. They need to be uh, reached with the gospel. I want to read two other passages and then learn some things about how to be a laborer in God's harvest field. We're going to look at John chapter 4, verses 35 to 38. And also 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. We're going to read both these passages because there is parallel truth in both these passages. And then we're going to elicit information here on how to be a laborer in the harvest fields of God. John chapter 4, verses 35 to 38. The Lord Jesus is speaking here. He says, Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 to 9. The Apostle Paul is writing here inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there is parallel truth in this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 through 9. Verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. There are several 
truths that we are going to bring out from these passages concerning being laborers in his harvest. I want to start with John 4 and verse 35, where Jesus mentions a difference between natural harvesting and spiritual harvesting. He says, you know, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. That's how we would do so in the natural. You know, it's okay, uh, there are still four months and then it's time to get the harvest. That's how we do it naturally. Because you know approximately when the harvest uh, is going to be ready. But he says when it comes to spiritual things, don't talk like that. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. But what must we do when it comes to harvesting the fields of God? He says, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already for harvest. In other words, when it comes to harvesting souls, a spiritual harvest, now is the time. There is a sense of urgency. Don't procrastinate. Don't say, you know, when I cross 50 and I retire, or 60 and I retire, then I will engage in the harvest fields. Don't say that. Now is the time. Look on the fields. They're all ready. The harvest fields are all around us. They are waiting for us to engage. Not tomorrow, not day after, but right now. There is a sense of urgency as far as being a laborer in the harvest fields of God. Are you with me? Amen? So the time to engage is... Let me hear you guys. The time to engage is now. Get out there. The harvest is ready. The, the fields are wide already for harvest. Just go in. Do your part. Engage now. Don't procrastinate. Don't delay. That's the difference from natural and spiritual. The next thing I want to see from both these passages is that reaping the harvest is a work of partnership. We all co-labor with each other. It's a work of partnership. We work together in gathering the harvest. Like in John 4, 37, he says, One sows, another reaps. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered. So as we engage in the harvest fields of God, This is a very important understanding we must have. That it is a work of partnership. We got to work with each other. The normal human mentality is, if I sow, I will water and I will reap. Don't come near my fields. Isn't that right? That's a human thing. But Jesus is saying, no. In God's harvest, it works differently. He uses some people to sow. He may use somebody else to water, and he may use somebody else to reap the harvest. So we must have this understanding that, look, we are all laborers in God's harvest, and we are co-workers. We are working together in this thing. And the way the world is today, maybe somebody in New York sows. Maybe somebody in China does the watering. And that person lands up in Bangalore and we do the harvesting. It works. It happens that way. 
And so we must be open to this whole idea that we are working together with God and, and not have this, you know, uh, this blind horse mentality that I must sow, I must water, I must reap. No, this is God's harvest field. We work with each other. So it's perfectly fine if somebody comes to APC and the seed is sown and they go to, you know, another church called BBC in Bangalore and there it is watered and they go to some other church called CCC and there they are harvested. It's perfectly fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're reaping the harvest. Another important truth here is this, that God will have all of us engage in different ways. In sowing, watering, and reaping. God will use you as he appoints for you, as Paul says, as he appoints to each one. In different scenarios, in different situations, you, God may use you to sow. In some other situation, he may use you to water. In some other situation, he may use you to reap. It's okay. So let's talk about the sowing, watering, and reaping. Sowing. Putting that seed of truth into somebody's life. How do we do that? One of the most important ways that we sow truth into people's lives, the truth of God and the truth of God's word into people's lives, is by the life we live. People are more impacted by what you do than what you say. You can say, you know, that's why we preach so many sermons. You know. We keep preaching, preaching, preaching. But when people see it, they are impacted by your life. And so one of the most powerful ways you can sow truth into people's lives is by just living the truth in front of their eyes. In your workplace, in your school, in your college, wherever you go, in your community, as you live out the truths of the word, that's a powerful message. You're sowing the truth into their lives. As they see you walk in holiness, as they see you walk in purity, as they see you walk in love, in compassion, uh, in kindness, uh, and they see truth embodied in you, they see Christ embodied in you, you are sowing truth into their hearts. Amen? I remember, and you may have heard me say this story, when I was in engineering college, uh, you know, first year when you go to engineering college, uh, you don't have much of a choice who your roommates are. Uh, you know, whoever lands up is your roommate. So, was there. But from the second to fourth year, uh, I chose my roommate, and he chose me. So we decided to uh, uh, share the room together. And both of us were very different. And I, I, I'm not saying this any deme- in any demeaning way. I just want to share a little fact here. You know, here I was in, in, in college. Uh, I was going, you know, uh, I, I, other than studying and playing football, uh, I was uh, conducting, you know, these uh, Bible studies and uh, speaking at these Christian events and all of that. All that was happening on one side. And my roommate was totally opposite. He won the chain smoking competition of our college. <laughs> I mean, he was like totally opposite to me. But we were good friends and we were roommates. And now and then we'd sit down and we'd have these discussions on 
the truth. We talk. During that three-year period, I never really forced him to accept Jesus. I never, you know, did that. I just, I knew the power of truth. When you live your life, it will have an impact. Four years came and went. Both of us graduated. We both went to the United States to pursue our, our graduate studies. And uh, two years, uh, I forget, maybe a year and a half after we were in the U.S., uh, I was in Cleveland, and I get a call. And we had lost touch now for quite some time after we graduated from bachelor's. We lost touch. And, but I get this call, and, and on the other side was my roommate's. Somehow he tracked me down. And he said, Ashish, I called you. I just want to tell you one thing. Your life still speaks to me today. That's all he called to tell me. Your life still speaks to me today. I was it, and I lost contact after that, you know. But just for him to track me down, to call me and tell me that one thing on the phone. I want to tell you. A life of truth that you live is a powerful seed that you can sow into the lives of those around you. When they see the truth embodied in your life, you are sowing seed into them. You may not realize it. You know, nobody's going to come and tell you, oh, you're a great preacher. None of that. You know? But truth is being sown because you are living the truth out daily in front of them. Some other ways that you can sow truth is by maybe sharing some biblical principles. Just sharing a biblical principle. For instance, maybe in your office, uh, um, you know, uh, in your place of work, you choose to do things right when many others around you are, are compromising. They do things wrong. And so somebody notices that and they come and ask you, why are you not doing what all the others are doing? That's an opportunity. And you may not preach the entire gospel at that moment, but you can just tell them because the Bible tells me I I need to walk honestly before God. Now, you've not preached the gospel, but you've sown a seed. You've let them know that the reason you are making the choices you make is because of the truth of the word of God. That the word of God and and Jesus Christ is real and he's, 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 he's controlling, he's directing even that small thing in your life. You're sowing seed. Amen? Just bringing truth into your workplace, into where you are. Letting people know the biblical principles by which you're living. You are sowing seed. And of course, we sow seed, we sow the truth of God's word by sharing the gospel. You're telling people, this is uh, what the gospel is. This is why Jesus Christ died for us, was buried, and he rose again. You may share that. They may not immediately embrace Jesus, but you have sown a seed. Amen? Now, watering is very much like sowing. It's just that maybe some other people have already, you know, uh, uh, had the opportunity to plant some seeds in that person's life. And now God brings that person in connection to you. And you continue by your life. You are watering what has been sown. But think how dangerous it is that if I profess to be a follower of Jesus, but I don't live as Christ wants me to live, I could actually damage seeds that have been sown in other people's lives. Somebody else, somewhere, has sown good seed into them, but they come next to me, and I don't live 
as Christ wants me to live, I can actually dishonor the name of Jesus and, and damage the seeds of her soul. That's why it's so important for us not just to hear sermons, but to live them out, out there where it matters. Amen? So you water, you just by this, doing the same things, by speaking simple words, by deeds of kindness, by helping them, by showing love and mercy and, and being there, befriending them. All these things help in watering seeds that have been sown into people's lives. And you and I are laborers in the harvest. And of course, to reap simply means uh, to lead them to a place where they make a decision for Jesus Christ. And reaping is very important. Because all our effort in sowing and watering will be wasted if we don't reap the harvest. So you've got to reap. You've got to lead people uh, into making that decision for Jesus Christ. Now once you reap the harvest, you don't leave it out on the harvest fields. You bring it into the barn. Amen? So you've got to guide people into local communities of believers, churches in their cities where they can go guide them into it so that they could uh, be nurtured and discipled there. We need to consolidate the harvest. We don't just abandon the harvest on the harvest fields once it is reaped. I received this email on Friday. I don't have official permission to share it, but I trust uh, those, the, the, the family who sent me this email will not mind. They're part of our central church. Uh, they might be sitting right here listening. Uh, but here's what the email goes. There's a family right here uh, and uh, uh, the wife sent this email. She said, Dear Pastor, I wanted to share some testimonies. She shares two testimonies. First one. The lady who helps us at home, her mom had a stroke. And literally one side of her mouth moved away to the right hand side. When her mother was sick, we used to pray for her. And one day handed over a little bottle of water and a little oil. And told her to give her mother in faith to drink and apply the oil. As she was doing this, her mother's mouth was restored, and now she is so normal, and now as a family, they go to a Tamil church, and they've thrown out all the photos into Ulster Lake. They keep testifying about this miracle that they have experienced, and they are so happy to grow in the Lord. I know it is their faith, and yet we are so happy we could do this and bring them to Christ slowly. Probably God works in mysterious ways. And here's the second testament, the same email. The other incident I wanted to share, share, we have some construction going on next door. And some of the construction guys are from Rideshore. Smiley face there. And we keep bumping into them to talk to them. One day we saw a small kid, as big as just three years old, uh, looking very small for her age. Um... Uh, and what hurt me was that this kid was not walking, but dragging herself on the ground by sitting. I asked the parents what happened. They said, we don't know. We took her to all the doctors possible. Uh, they say she will walk. Don't worry. So we told them right now she is small and you've accepted that she cannot walk. What about when she grows older and as a big girl is dragging herself by s- sitting and not walking? How painful it would be. That night we prayed with them. Told them we are going to give, give you some oil. Which is prayed over. And I want them to apply on the child's leg. And told them even before you leave this site. We want to see your kid walk and run. Pastor you won't believe. They applied this oil for a month. 
Now the child is walking and running. We could not believe what we saw. They showed us and they cannot believe it too. And they were saying, your God is very powerful. I told them, you can accept this God too. And, trying, and I'm trying to share the same. Before I could give, I saw the seed of that above incident in faith that God will heal their child. Awesome God we serve. We were jumping in joy to see that little child walk and run now. Amen. Amazing. Amen. Now just think about this. They're just a family, been attending Central now for about 10 years. And they just did a simple thing. One was somebody who's working in their home and another one was with people working next door. They stepped out, did a little thing, sold a little thing in faith. And look what God has done. Two families and all those connected to the family have been affected. Amen. I believe all of us can do this. And I just pray that we'll have more and more such stories. More and more testimonies like this. As you and I just in simple faith step out. To share the gospel and release God's healing to those around us. Now let's continue just a few more insights from these two passages. The other thing we can draw from these two passages is this. We are all one. No one is better than the other. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. We're all one. So it doesn't matter if God uses somebody to sow, somebody else to water, and somebody else to reap. We are all one. In the eyes of God, God doesn't hold one person better than the other. We are all equally important to God. You know, usually we celebrate the one who reaps the harvest. Because that's where all the glamour is, right? How many people give their life to Christ? You know, Tony put a half, but they say, oh, a thousand people gave their life to Christ. You know, that's where the glamour is. But don't forget, you could never have the harvest if somebody had not sown and somebody had not watered. We're all one. No one is more important than the other in the eyes of God. Some of us, God may use to sow consistently uh, in many people's lives. Nobody's come, going to come and clap next to you and say, wow. They may not even know that you're sowing into so many people's lives. They may not know that. The person who's reaping the harvest may seemingly get all the, the uh, recognition. But in God's eyes, we are all God doesn't see us differently. Another truth that we can uh, elicit here from this passage is this. We enter into each other's labors. Jesus said in John 4.38, I sent you. Question, who is sending? Come on, guys. Who is sending? Jesus. He said, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Now, this is how harvesting happens in the kingdom of God. But that is not the way we think. How do we think? As I mentioned earlier, we always think, I sowed. I must water and I must reap. Nobody else step in. 
Now, if somebody else steps in, you know, you're sowing and somebody else comes in to water, what do we do? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> hey, but who sent him? Jesus said, I have sent you to enter into other people's labors. And here we are, we chase them off. And then we pray, God, give me harvest. God, give me harvest. I'm sowing the seed. God is saying, hey, I'm sending you people to water what you're sowing. You're chasing them away. How can that seed produce? Because you are chasing away the people whom the Lord of the harvest is sending to water what you've been sowing. And so you're not seeing any harvest. And you're praying, okay, I must fast more. No, just well, let others come and water. Let them come and water. You'll get the harvest in due time. So, in the kingdom of God, we've got to have this understanding that the Lord sends people to enter into our labors. Are you with me? Because that's something we never are willing to accept. We always think, it's my field, my seed, my harvest. It's not yours at all. It's God's field, it's God's seed, it's God's harvest. And the way he works is, he uses somebody to sow, he may use some others to water, and he may use somebody else to reap. And as God's people, we must be well ready to welcome whom he sends in, to enter into our labors. So I sent you to enter into other people's labors. Now, the flip side is also true. That God will send you to enter into other people's labors. Just as he sends others to enter into your labors, he will send you to enter into other people's labors. Now when God does that, two things. First is, always enter humbly. Right? Don't enter with the attitude, man, you guys are so useless, that's why God had to send me. (laughs) No, don't do that. Enter humbly that you recognize God has sent you to water what somebody else has sown. He sent you to enter into other people's labors, to bless the work, to add to it. You know, whenever we go around the country and do these conferences, I'm very mindful that there have been generations of people who have labored before us. It's not like we are very special or we carry some great anointing. No, God has sent, there, sent us at that moment to just add to what has already been done and many others will come after us to add to that. So we're not so special or unique. We're just doing our little bit in the whole process of harvesting. And secondly, always enter with honor. Always enter giving honor to those who have worked before you. Right? Don't think it's all happening because of you. It's not happening because of you. Very often happens in spite of you. All right. (laughs) Enter in with honor. Giving honor to those who have labored before you. Recognize God has sent you to enter in to other people's labors. A few more thoughts here. The next thought we can elicit from this passage is this, that it is God who gives the increase. 
Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So what Paul's saying, look, the guy who sowed, the guy who watered, the guy who reaped, they're nothing. I mean, don't, don't, don't make them so big. It's not about them. It's about the God of the harvest who gives us the harvest. So it's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. But it's about God who gives the harvest. So don't boast and don't brag about the man that God used or the woman God used to sow or to water or to reap. Always give all the glory to God. Because it's God who gives the increase. And he who plants and he who waters, they're nothing. But unfortunately in the world, in the Christian world especially, we make heroes out of people. And that's wrong. Because God says, my glory I will give to nobody else. So don't boast about the one who sowed, the one who watered, the one who reaped. Forget it. It's about God who gives the increase. He is the Lord of the harvest. All the glory goes to him. Amen? Two more thoughts and then we close. The other thing we learn from these passages is that we must learn to rejoice together. Jesus said in John 4.36, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Those who sow, those who water, and those who reap, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to rejoice together. Be happy that the harvest has come home, that the harvest has been gathered. Unfortunately, in the church, in the Christian world, all we have is jealousy. God, why didn't you use me to reap the harvest? You used him. And we're jealous about these things. But what does the Lord of the harvest want? He said, he who sows, he who waters, he who reaps, we must all rejoice together. So it's perfectly fine if somebody did the sowing, I only did the watering, and somebody else reaped the harvest. When I hear about the harvest, we rejoice. God, thank you for the harvest. Thank you for those souls. Thank you for those people who have come into the kingdom of God. Maybe we had only a small part to play. Maybe we only sowed a little seed. But you use somebody else to reap us. Rejoice. Because we are gathering fruit unto eternal life. That's what matters. So, as laborers in the harvest, there is no competition, there is no jealousy, there is rejoicing together, there is celebration. Whenever we see the harvest, we celebrate, yeah God, thank you for doing it. Doesn't matter who did it, no matter, doesn't matter whom you use, we rejoice together. Amen? Are you guys with me? The last one is this. That as laborers in God's harvest fields, we are doing this together with God. We are doing this with Him. First Corinthians 3 and verse 9, Paul says, We are God's fellow workers. We are God's 
co-workers. We are co-working with God as we labor in his harvest field. Which means it's not about me. More depends on him because he is the bigger person in this whole equation. So take the pressure off yourself. Whether you're sowing, watering, or reaping. You know, just sow. Just do what you can. Sow the seed. And remember, God is working with you. You are a co-worker with God. There may be times you feel like, God, I didn't sow the seed properly. Oh God, I messed up a bit here. Relax, relax, relax. God is working with you. His power, his anointing will flow through you and is what will bring the harvest. God is working with you. So take the pressure of yourself. You do what you have to do. And God does the more powerful part of touching the hearts, touching the lives, or bringing about the change. We are co-workers with him. We are working with God. Amen? We are not just working for God. We are working with God. Hand in hand with God. He's on your side. So this morning, message is very simple. What I want to impress on our hearts is this, that we are laborers in God's harvest. All of us. You're a laborer in God's harvest. People around you, waiting, near and far, waiting. Do your part of sowing, watering, reaping. Whatever you can, do it. Let's learn how to labor in God's harvest with others. God intended it to be that way, that we, co- that we co-work, we work with each other in gathering in the harvest. And most important of all, as you and I are laborers in God's harvest, remember we are co-workers with God. God's in this with us. He's working alongside us. Amen. You do your part, God by his spirit will touch the hearts. He will do the, the rest of it and bringing the conviction. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray. Call our worship team up, please. I just want to invite you this morning to pray and say, God, anoint me, empower me, and use me, God. As a laborer, In the harvest fields. The harvest fields are everywhere. Everywhere. All around us. And be conscious that you are a laborer in God's harvest. And so you say, God, use me. Use me to sow. Use me to water. Use me to reap the harvest. Father, even as we stand here before you this morning. We stand as ready laborers. People who are ready, God, to engage in the harvest. We stand knowing that we have to co-work with you and with many others in bringing in the harvest. Our Holy Spirit, we invite you just to grace our lives with holy boldness and grace our hearts. and Lord, with this, with this understanding, with this sense that we are laborers. In the harvest fields of God. I really want to encourage some of us here this morning. That sometimes God will call us to do things that have not been done before. God will call us to 
step out do things that have not been done before in order to get the harvest i want to encourage you go do it don't say you know nobody else has done this don't say that go do it i remember as a as a student in bishop cotton boys school and when i came to know jesus in my 8th grade and i i really wanted to tell others about jesus and uh, in those days i was going to a methodist church and i did what a 14 year old would not do i went to the pastor and i said pastor i want to preach in church i don't try it here but this is what i did <laughs> and god was doing something and he gave me 15 minutes in the morning 15 minutes in the evening and i and i stood up there i hadn't even read my bible but i stood up there in 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 the methodist church and i preached and and uh, in that evening service about 30 students from bolland boys school stayed back to give their life to jesus and i never planned this i never nobody had taught me anything but i just said guys i'm coming to your school tomorrow afternoon during lunch break and that's how the ministry started i i was in 8th grade during lunch break i would run from bishop cotton boys school down hayes road up residency road go into bolland boys school back gate preach jesus for about 15 minutes and run back to cotton boys for my afternoon classes and i did that from 8th to 12th grade during the short break i would i would have a prayer meeting in my own school bishop cotton boys school lunch break i was in bolland boys school and then once a week wednesday the, the neighboring school cathedrals they heard about what was happening they said we want you to come to our school also so i said okay wednesday i'll come and i felt very important i'm being called you know so wednesday afternoons i would run all the way up to near all saints bakery i run all the way up to cathedral school preach for 15 minutes and then run back to my school did anybody do that before not to my knowledge but it was just i felt i'm a laborer in the harvest fields i got to do my part every now and then i get an email from somebody saying hey you used to come to bolland boys school i was one of those boys listening to you even now people come i was there in the crowd listening to you sometimes we don't understand that when we step out and do things god will use us and you don't know the impact you're having on generations to come so what i want to encourage you is this listen if god is moving on your heart to do something that you have nobody else has done go do it doesn't matter you don't know what impact you will have on generations on lives on people it cost me something you know i used to skip lunch and i used to run as soon as the bell rings i'll jump out of class and run to bolands it cost me something i used to have lunch after school at 3:30 or 3:45 but you know lives were touched lives were changed it may cost you something to serve jesus but lives are touched lives will be touched amen Let's raise our hands up. Would you this morning and just say, "Lord, I want to be a willing laborer in your harvest. Whether it's to sow the seed, whether it is to water the seed, whether it is to reap the harvest, God, I want to be I'm a willing laborer in your harvest." Lord, we pray for a grace and an anointing to be released on people this morning, God. To make us laborers in your harvest, just to use each one of us. Even like the story with the testimonies we heard about this family God who ministered to their own housemate and 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 their neighbors Lord use many all of us use us to be laborers in your harvest
these are the days of Ezekiel the dry bones becoming as flesh and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple when you sing it these are and these are the days of the harvest the fields are as wide in the world and we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the way let's sing it again and these are and these are the days of the harvest the fields are as wide in the world and we are the laborers in your Vineyard prepare when you sing, Behold, he comes, behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Oh, at the trumpet call, lift your voice, year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hills. When sing, Behold, he Trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.